0: This sermon is from the new series, Overcoming Evil. We hope and pray that this message will deepen your love for Jesus and give you the courage to overcome evil with good. We're going to continue our series of Overcoming Evil. And I want us to begin reading in verse number 11 of Overcoming Evil with Zeal. The Bible says, Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, Serving the Lord. Words are up there. I not you say that with me? Ready to begin? Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Let's try it one more time. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. By the grace of God, I want to preach on the idea of zeal this morning. Let's ask the Lord to bless this time now, Father. I'm so thankful for uh, how You've worked in my heart this morning and just reminding me again that I'm loved by you. God, it's exactly what I needed to hear this morning. And Father, I'm praying that what you've done in my heart this week in preparation for this time of preaching is what many people in our church need to hear. And Father, I ask that you'd be glorified. I pray that, Lord, I would simply hide behind your word and uh, the power of it here this morning. And God, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You and I, we do not use the word uh, slothful or business often the way that it's used here in this text. But their meaning is actually very clear. Business uh, would refer to uh, your zeal. So in other words, to be slothful in business is to be lethargic. It means to be low energy, jaded, run down, weary, apathetic, dull, Lacking enthusiasm, half hearted, lazy. Uh, It also can mean that you and I are lifeless. We are lacking in purpose. No longer do we really care. And so I think the best way, if I can kind of put it in today's vernacular, it would be something like this Don't be in a funk. How many of you have ever been in a funk before? Come on, let's just be honest here. Don't be in a funk. But then the other portion of the uh, the verse says, but to be fervent in spirit. That's the opposite. The word fervent literally means to be on the boil. In other words, heat is involved here. To be fervent means to be passionate, to be engaged, to be committed, energetic, motivated. So if I could say this verse in another way, I would say, do not be in a funk, but keep yourself on the boil as you serve the Lord. And So why does does Paul bring this in in this text? We've looked at how we're to overcome evil with good, and the last few weeks we've kind of looked in on the idea of love. Well, I believe the point is that when days get darker, The great temptation for us is to become half-hearted Christians. To follow Christ at a distance. Because following Christ is not popular. Because following Christ is not something that will, in a sense, worldly-wise, bring great reward. Things are getting tougher out there. I don't think anybody would disagree with that statement. So there's a temptation to kind of keep your head down to kind of keep your faith, you know, kind of inside, to kind of to hide it, so to speak, to kind of keep serving God at an at a arm's distance. Why? Because it's hard to run when there's wind in your face. It's hard to gain any momentum when you are seemingly swimming upstream. So when evil is on the rise, it's very easy for you and I to become jaded you and I begin to wonder, what is the point of all of this? You and I can easily begin to feel, you know what, I'm not going to go all in. I'm not going to sell out for Jesus Christ because what is the reward of that? Is there any value in the day in which we live to live red hot for Jesus Christ? The battle with sluggishness is something that every one of us will experience. And Paul, I believe, is tying this in to dark days, because it's easier to kind of take the foot off the gas pedal because we're afraid of the persecution or maybe the backlash of living red hot for Jesus. But let me describe this with a few scenarios that I hope maybe can drive it home a little bit further for you. Maybe you're a young parent and at your home with your children and you feel increasingly overwhelmed by the task. You're constantly trying to bring order out of chaos. Your work never ends. You feel like it's not making any difference with your children. You say, Pastor, why would you bring this up? Because this is how I feel sometimes. It's like, do you not get it, sir? You know, he just turned four, and he keeps telling me, hey, hey Daddy, I'm a, I'm a big boy. And it's like, okay, all right, let's work on the four-year-old kind of things. And, you know, so sometimes you feel like, you know, is this even worth it? Man, this loss of energy just to, you know, just to try to change, train my children. We lose heart. We lose motivation, and it's clearly something that God would want us to do. Or maybe you are a a, a Christian worker in a secular work field, which is the vast majority of you in here this morning, and you feel the pressure to try to navigate a world of political correctness You wonder, is this okay to say? Is this okay to do? You feel like you're constantly walking on eggshells with every single person you're interacting with. Your job seems harder than it did before with less rewards. Is this even worth it? Why do I go to work? I have to pay so much in taxes. i got to pay so much. And we we think through this. Why even do it? It would just be easier just to stay home and just kind of collect the dole. It would be easier to do that. So why? Or maybe you're a high school student or you're a a college student who you love the Lord. And you've certainly got plenty of energy. You've certainly got plenty of zeal. But the problem is that zeal is not always focused. It's kind of, well, where do I, you know, where am I going to go today? Who am I going to be after and work with today? And is it worth it? And you could add a list of things to the practical side of this. And I'd actually encourage you maybe to do that this week. Think about your life. Think about some areas in which you live and where this could hit home for you. But what I want us to see today, this morning, is that when God speaks about losing your zeal, when God speaks about going off the boil or running cool or losing your passion and your commitment, he speaks to us with an issue that all of us experience at some time in our life or multiple times in our life. We all know what it's like to lose the passion, to lose the the zeal that maybe we had for a particular area at some point. You can remember better days possibly when you can say, you know what, I used to be on fire for God more in whatever area of life. And so what are you going to do about it? How are you going to not be slothful in business or slothful in your zeal or your effort? How are you going to be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord? Well, the word fervent raises the issue of spiritual temperature. Jesus said that in the last days, in days in which we're living, they said lasciviousness is going to abound. It's going to get darker, and it's going to get darker. And he said one of the responses to that darkness is our love is going to grow colder and colder and colder. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 12, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Jesus tells in the book of Revelation to the church at Ephesus, he says, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou has left thy first love. If you were to go earlier in that chapter of Revelation two, he's talking about how they were zealous for Jesus. They were they were all about that, but they lose it. And then he tells the Church of Laodicea, "I know thy works. Thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth." And so God says to you this morning by the way, God has said this to me all week long. I am sitting there with you as I preach this message. Don't be like that. Don't be like the person that as the world gets darker, you, lo- you love less. He says, don't be like the church at Ephesus that at one time you were on fire for Jesus and now you've kind of left that first love. And He says, don't be like the church at Laodicea, which in the church age, as far as dispensation, we're probably in that age right now of where there's this just lukewarmness. It's like, well, you know what? I love Jesus. And by the way, thanks for being here. I don't want to minimize that. But, you know, I'm just kind of here. It's okay. I'm not going to really try to apply any of the, uh, of the word here this morning. Jesus is like, no, don't be like that. He says be fervent in spirit. But that fervency means heat. So heat's got to be applied. The natural tendency of things is that they grow cold. How many of you in here like lukewarm coffee? Any of you in here like lukewarm coffee? Eh, You either like it hot or you like it cold. I guess I could have used milk, too. Milk is nasty lukewarm. That's why I don't ever touch it after the cereal, you know? It's lukewarm by that time. But you know what? You like your coffee hot. Some of you like it so hot that, you know, they literally have had to put caution, hot, on the cup, you know, because you're going to burn your mouth and sue them, something like that. Or you like it cold. I particularly like it cold, even if it's 30 degrees outside. You know, I like myself an iced coffee. But you don't really really like that lukewarm state. You're going to put more ice in it, or you're going to probably put it in the microwave. Why? Because you want to heat it back up. So how do you apply heat to your life? Do you realize that there's no Christian microwave In the world, I mean, I I looked on Amazon, it wasn't there this week, okay? There's no such thing as, ooh, you know, in five, ten seconds you can get, you know, red hot again as a Christian. That doesn't work like that. A man called Octavius Winslow, he wrote a book that uh, his title is a little bit less inspiring. It says, Personal Declension and Revival of Religion in the Soul. I mean, you see that on the bookshelf, you're like, sign me up, I want to buy that, Right? However, it's excellent. I started reading it in October of this past year, and it was really just kind of working me over. He kind of talked about how easy it is to slide away from God, and then he gave some biblical truths and principles for how you can kind of get heated back up. But at the beginning of his book, Winslow says this, if there is one consideration more humbling than another to a spiritually-minded believer... It is that after all God has done for him or for us, there should still exist in the heart a principle, the tendency of which is to secret, perpetual, and alarming departure from God. He's saying it's alarming. I mean, think of what God has done for you. We sang a lot about it this morning. Think about that. And yet... Even though we've got a redeemed heart, a changed life, we, we know, we've got believers that literally can just say, thank you, Jesus, for everything that you've done. Yet, in the heart like that, there's still, a, there's still this kind of tendency to move away from God. Can any of yes, no, right? Absolutely. How many of you have been red hot for Jesus your entire life? Don't raise your hand because you'd be lying. And so there is a reality of where this comes along. And so this growing coldness, this reluctance to draw near to God can spring up in a Christian, in in a believer. He kind of says it's kind of a secret. It creeps up on you in a way that first you never notice. Sometimes someone that really, really loves you will confront you with an area and you can't see it for the life of you. And yet, when you begin to think about it, you begin to pray about it. It's like, you know what? Yeah, you know what? That area was there. It's almost like a secret in your life. Sometimes you can't always see it. Sometimes God will use somebody in your life to say, hey, hey, there's a potential issue here. You ought you to take caution to this. It's perpetual. This means that we never get beyond the tendency to grow cold. You and I, we're not stagnant. We're either growing or we're kind of drifting away from God. That's why you and I, listen, you ought never ever get over the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because it is your power, it is your lifeline, and you ought to never get over the fact that God loves you. The simplest truths, let that stoke your heart, let that uh, just get, get you going again, and it's alarming. If you love the Lord, you'll know what it is to be cold, and it surprises you, and You're thinking, how did I get here? Why am I here? I don't want to be here. I want to be red hot and in love with Jesus. So all of this leads to the obvious question. How are we to apply heat to our Christian lives? How can you overcome the slothfulness that so easily creeps into your own soul and become fervent in spirit and serving God? The Lord. How do we get back to that? Because Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he said, Hey, this is huge when it comes to overcoming evil. Get rid of the get rid of the, 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 the lack of zeal and fervently get back to being red hot for Jesus. So when you feel jaded, when you feel lethargic, lacking in enthusiasm, when you see yourself growing cold. You have to take responsibility for your spiritual life. Listen, you are in Christ. You are, if you are a believer here, you have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you. Guess what that means? That means that you're not helpless. That means that you're not hopeless. As I mentioned on Wednesday night, that means that you and I should not say, well, hey, you know what? This is just the way that I am. You know I just I struggle with greed or you know I, 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 I struggle with lust or I struggle with anger. you know what my kids are just going to have to get used to it i 'm going to blow up as a dad because that's just the way daddy did it no you've got the spirit you've got Jesus Christ who has resurrected power living inside of you. it can literally change your very identity. so what do you and I do? how can we How can we fervently serve or, 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 you know, get get the spirit going again? This is going to be simple. Here's what you need to do. You need to preach the gospel to yourself once again. That's what you need. You don't need another helps book or anything like that. However, this book was extremely helpful for me, but guess what? Every single time, it drove right back to the cross. It drove right back to what Jesus has done. There are certain truths that when you apply them rightly to your condition, it will restore you and renew your spirit within you. There was someone that was uh, very close to me several months ago. They needed some, they needed some alone time, and you know, I, I I could tell that they probably needed that, and this person went over to Half Moon Bay, and they went over to the, um, to the Ritz-Carlton. If you've ever been there, they have literally, they, they have a Uh, open beach where you can just kind of park there and it's just beautiful there's bluffs and you saw that and this person's began to just read the word of God and began to listen to to worship music like a good good father and I'm telling you their soul was ministered to it was like Jesus was right there again giving them a hug stoking up the fire that is around them they will rouse your soul when you are in a funk Truths of the Gospel, they will restore your spiritual fervor. So, what kind of truths here this morning? Well, let me say, first of all, Christ redeems. Christ redeems. We actually see that here in this chapter. In verse number one, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the what? Talk to me. The mercies of God. Never forget, I said this early on in our series here, never forget that every single verse comes under this banner, by the mercies of God. Well, what are the mercies of God? The Apostle Paul literally just spent 11 chapters describing what that is. He's describing the gospel once again for you, that you and I were once wretched sinners in need of salvation. Jesus Christ comes in, he pays the penalty, and he redeems us, he purchases us, us back, not because of anything that we've done. So when you and I are run down, when our soul is sluggish, when we're not on fire for Jesus, and I'm telling you, in a group this size, there's a lot of us. What happens is, is you and I, we need to consume a good dose of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. You and I need to just begin to to consume that. God, what did you do for me on behalf of jesus christ let me share with you just a personal story that might help drive this home for all of us when i started reading the book by octavius that i mentioned earlier it was it was the kind of the, the the fall portion of last year and i was just in a place where i was tired anybody ever get like weary to the bone i'm not talking about like where you need a good night's sleep Okay, I'm talking about even when a good night's sleep, like three days in a row, does nothing. You Just, I was weary. I was tired in my mind. I had experienced some various discouragements. Any of you ever get discouraged? Kind of just, it was just like a zinger right after another. Boom, boom, boom. And I was feeling sorry for myself. Do you ever have pity parties? Yeah, hey, those are fun, except for no one else comes to it. You're all by yourself. I was kind of having those okay can i be human for you i was having one of those and just kind of having a little bit of a pity party and i was lost i'd lost energy i'd lost motivation i even think pastor mike knew he could kind of sense it we had talked periodically about it the best way that i could describe it i was in a funk i couldn't get out of it i try to talk to other people and it's like they couldn't they, they they couldn't get to me nothing that they said You know, like, they would talk to me, and I'd just be kind of like just looking at them. Like some of you do when I'm meeting with you. You're just looking at me. No, I'm just kidding. Joking. They couldn't get to me. Nothing. Sarah couldn't help me. Mike couldn't help me. My kids, they probably added to it. No, I'm just kidding. Joking there. But oftentimes, when I get into that, and that's why oftentimes, because it does happen, what I try to ask myself is how does the Bible speak to what I am experiencing right now? And I remember clearly the day when I began to say, God, how does your word speak to what I am going through? I felt like we were in a good season here of the church and we were pressing on and, 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 trying, to, you know, and trying to live for God and to, to lead in a godly fashion. And my mind went to Galatians 6.9. And let us, be, let us not be weary in well-doing for in due season, We shall reap if we faint not. See, be not weary in well-doing. Listen, if you and I are weary of the soul and we are sluggish because of sin, hey, listen, you and I, we got to get rid of that. But when you and I are well-doing, listen, don't faint. Don't get sluggish in due season. You're going to reap if we continue to push on. So God used that verse. It was like, you know, it kind of just smacked me up the side of my head. But then God also used a message from Martin Lloyd Jones, Jr., not Jones, from the 1950s. And it kind of it shook me out of my funk. Now, we tried to find uh, the voice overlay of this, but it just had too much, you know, too much music and things behind it. And it was, it was hard to understand. So you're going to have to just picture me as this Welsh pastor, okay, that has this booming voice. But I want to... I want to share with you. It's a long portion. I'd like for you to follow up on the screen. A long portion of a passage of Scripture or passage of a message that God used to speak to my heart. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, the danger at this point is to say something like this to yourself. Well, I've lost that something which I had. And obviously, I'll never have that back again. So I'll just go on. I'll go on formally. I'll go on out of habit and custom. I'll go on as a sheer matter of duty. I've lost the thrill. I've lost the joy. I've lost the abandon. That's gone, and it's undoubtedly gone forever. What can I do? Well, I'll just go and put it on to, to put up with it. I'll resign myself to my fate. I'll stick it. I won't be a quitter. I won't turn my back. I won't resign. I won't go out. I will go on, but I will go on feeling rather hopeless about it all. My dear friend, if you and I have come to regard any aspect of this Christian life as a task and as a duty and that we have to clench and set our teeth in order to get through with it, I say we are insulting God and we've forgotten the very essence of Christianity. What do I mean? I mean this, the Christian life is not a task. The Christian life alone is worthy of the name life. This alone is righteous and holy and pure and good. It is the kind of life that the Son of God Himself lived. It's like God Himself on His own in His own holiness. You have no right to look at your life like that, nor anything you are doing like that. And if you think of your Christian life in any shape or form with this sense of grudge or of task or of duty or of weariness, go back to the beginning. Wait, James, Go back to the beginning for a moment. And this is what God began to rattle my cage with. How did you ever come into this Christian life? Here you are on the narrow way about which you are grumbling so much. Well, how did you come from the broad way on which you were once walking. In other words, you and I, we all, according to Jesus says, we are all on the broad way. We all are headed to hell. But when we trust Christ as our Savior, we then become on the narrow way. And then he asks this question, what made the difference? There's only one answer. I've come from that to this The broad way to the narrow way because the only begotten Son of God left heaven and came down to earth having divested himself of the insignia of his eternal glory and humbled himself and was born as a babe and put in a manger and endured the life of this world for 33 years and was spat upon and reviled and had a crown of thorns thrust onto his head and was nailed upon a cross and bore the punishment of my sins." That's how I've come from that to this. And if I ever find myself, even for a fraction of a second, doubting the greatness and the glory and the wonder and the nobility of this walk in which I am engaged, well then, I'm spitting upon Him. That's some strong preaching from a man who was born in the 1700s. Now listen. Do I feel to the extent that it's like we're spitting upon him? No, but I had to ask myself that question. Honestly, I was feeling sorry for myself. I was having a little pity party. I was looking at all the discouragements and the seemingly defeats, and Jesus brought me to Galatians 6, 9 and says, Hey, Ryan, don't get weary in well-doing. If anything, this message ought to encourage us to pray for one another because we have no clue what we're going through. And then God brought me to the gospel again. God brought me to this message from this man. He brought me to a place where I realized that I am redeemed, that I am forgiven of all of my sin. I've been lovingly adopted into the family of God, that I've been indwelt with the Holy Spirit, and that I am destined for a life of eternal, everlasting joy. Thank you for Jesus. Preach the gospel to yourself again. Christ redeems. You want to be fervent of spirit again? You want to to heat up the life that is growing cold? You want to heat up the service that is becoming less and less? Think of what Christ has done for us. He's redeemed us. Can I say secondly, Christ restores. He restores in the Beloved Psalm, Psalm 23, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And he goes on to say in verse number three, He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. The Lord. He restores my soul. God commands us not to be slothful in zeal or slothful in business, but to be fervent in spirit. But you and I, we don't have what it takes in and of ourselves to obey his commands. And that's why when Augustine looked at the commands of God, he said this, command what you will, only give what you command. All of God's commands, all of them, all of them, they call us to action. But guess what? We must depend upon him in the action with which we are being called to. See, Christ died to save his people. But you know why Christ lived? So that you and I can live in the command. So you and I, like Paul, can say, hey, in this present world, in the flesh, I can live by the faith of the Son of God. See, Jesus died, praise God, to save us. But He also lived so we can victoriously be restored by Him. And so when we grow cold, keeping us means often restoring us. Now I don't know about you, but I'm glad that God does this. I'm glad that God doesn't just say, okay, all right, I'm just going to let you just fizzle out. No, I'm thankful that God, who is my shepherd, says, you know what, I'm not only going to redeem Ryan, I'm also going to restore him. I'm also going to bring in different ways. Sometimes it's a Sunday message. Sometimes it's a friend that comes in and speaks life into you. Sometimes it's a YouTube video. Have you ever been blessed by a YouTube video? They didn't have that in Jesus' day, but they got it in our day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sometimes you ought to just look up sermon jams. It's not what you think it is. It's just the words of sermons up on. It's, oh, they're excellent. And they'll just bless your heart. They'll bless your soul. Sometimes God uses that. Sometimes He uses a message like this. Listen, I'm not mad at you. I'm, an, I'm, I'm absolutely in complete love for our church. And I want us to be, I want, I want us to be stoked for Jesus. On fire for Jesus. He's your shepherd, he leads you he feeds you. So come to him. Ask him to give you what he knows you need. Psalm 51, verse 12, it says, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Now here's something I think is really important. and I believe it's also really practical. You need to come to Jesus as you are. And let me ask you a really, really profound question. Is there really any other way to come to him than as you are? But Octavius says this, always remember that Satan wants to keep you in a funk. He wants to keep you jaded, discouraged, lethargic, so he will do anything in his power to keep you from drawing near to God. So Satan will make this argument to you and put it into your mind your heart is cold. You are not in a good place to come to God. You can't come to God in a state like this. Come to him when you feel better. This is the enemy's great argument. He uses it in time and time again to keep jaded Christians away from the one place where they will find help and relief. So when this line of thought flashes across your mind, you need to be ready with an answer, and here's what Octavius says. Here it is. Come to Christ as you are. Come not because you have a warm heart, but in order to get a warm heart. That's the whole point of coming. Satan knows that, and that's why he tries to keep you away. You can't restore yourself any more than you can save yourself. This is something that God does. He restores my soul. What did Jesus say? Come unto me, ye that are, that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Hear me, if you're cold this morning, I'm not sta- I, literally, I think it is chilly in here, but I mean if you're cold in your heart and in your life I'm not up here judging you I'm telling you last October I was so cold and you know what God did? God said "Hey, I'm going to preach Jesus to you. That's what I'm trying to do here this morning. Run to him I'm not judging you I'm not trying to manipulate you. I'm just trying to say, hey, if you're, if you're tired of, uh, of being in this, you know, lethargic, in this slothful in business or slothful in zeal, hey, get to Jesus. Preach Jesus to yourself. He redeemed us. He restores us. But before we get on to the third point, Joseph Hart, uh, he lived in the 1700s from the hymn, Come, ye sinners, poor and needy. Come, you weary, heavy laden bruised and ruined by the fall if you wait until you're better you will never come at all how many times has satan tried to sell this to you hey why don't you just clean up before you come to him we we, we read songs like I won't sing it for you holy 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 I almost did that would have been embarrassing Marquita awesome up here thank you for helping and we say God is so holy I'm not holy. I can't come to him. Would you stop lying to yourself? In Jesus, you are holy. In Jesus, you have proper standing before God. And so don't think, hey, I've got to clean everything up, you know, before, you know, b- before I can come to him. That's like a spouse saying, you know what? I've got to make sure that I've got every T crossed, every I dotted before I can say I'm sorry. What? Sometimes we just got to say I'm sorry. Just come to Jesus. Don't wait, don't wait, because he's a great restorer. Let me say thirdly, also because Christ reigns. He reigns. This is a verse that I try to live by Colossians three twenty-three, and whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Whether you are a mother or a mechanic, whether you are a student or Or a surgeon, whether you are a plumber or a pastor, it doesn't make a bit of a difference. If you do it as unto the Lord, whatever you are doing, if you do it as unto the Lord, it changes everything. So do it as unto the Lord. God has called you to this work, however difficult it may be. And in doing it, you are serving him. Other people may or may not appreciate what you do. Other people may or may not reward you for what you do. But if you keep in mind that you're serving King Jesus, it'll help you, as our text says, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving what? The Lord. Why does it say the Lord? Because the Lord is the one that you are serving. You and I, we are serving the Lord. And it is the word Lord, and there's a reason why it's even the word Lord, because Jesus Christ, He's the risen Lord. He is the sovereign Lord. And in remembering that the Lord is on the throne, He's sovereign, and He's in complete control, that will help you and I get through dark, dark days. See, it's really hard for soldiers to follow a general if they feel in their hearts that it's a losing battle. You want to know what the good news for jaded followers of Jesus is? He won. You're not in a losing battle. As dark as it seems, as wicked and as hardships have come upon you, I tried to acknowledge that four weeks ago. I realize great evils have come upon some of you. But as dark as this is, you and I, we've got to realize that we are living for, it doesn't matter, you say, hey, I'm a stay-at-home mom. Be a stay-at-home mom for Jesus. Hey, I I go to a hospital every day. Be a person that goes to the hospital for Jesus. All I do is work on just trinkets, then work on trinkets for Jesus. Serve Jesus as unto the Lord. It changes everything. And you and I can realize that no matter what God has called us to, God is already one. My friends, Jesus redeems. He restores and praise God he reigns. Because sometimes it looks like the loonies are reigning. But Jesus is reigning. The answer is not try harder. The answer is not just pushed through. The answer is found in the finished work of our overcomer, Jesus. Jesus Christ was not overcome by evil. And by the grace of God, you and I also will not be overcome by evil. God, thank you for your redemption. God, thank you for restoring me. Sometimes I just... I go to the left and I go to the right. God, thank you. You just, you restore me. And God, thank you also in the gospel that I learned as I'm walking this life, you are reigning Completely in control. And God, I can come to you. I'm weary. I'm broken hearted. Come get mended. Don't wait. That's what Satan wants you to do. Saying wants you to wait. I'll, I'll wait till next week. No, 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 no. Right now, if you're cold, if you're wayward from God, run to him. He's the great restorer. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. And God, I know you want to do a work. And so, Father, I'm going to let you do a work in the hearts of our people. Talk to him, talk to God. weary you heavy laden Jesus says hey just come to me I'll restore you and I'll give you rest realize that you've been redeemed and even though you've been redeemed I think we've been faced with the reality that we still wander And evil bounding. He reigns. So press on in His work for you. Father, I thank you, Lord, for even sometimes when we feel like we're in the deepest of valleys.